Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. I am Ryan Drury. I'll be joined by Chris Clark, and we will be joined by returning friend of the show, Ben Wagner, broadcast voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet to chat about the opening of the baseball season, the Jays' chances, the rotation, the offensive firepower, Vladdy Jr. So much to dig into on the Jays. We're excited to chat with Ben. And at the end, we will chat as always with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott, on an expanded NFL season, baseball props, and so much more here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky. Steve Sabrin is off this week, but that's okay because we're very pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, returning guest, voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet. It is Ben Wagner rejoining us here. Ben, how you doing, buddy? Hey, listen, on the eve of opening day and wrapping up what I think is a really successful camp for the Toronto Blue Jays, it's hard to have a bad day. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. This is my favorite time of year. Absolutely. We're really excited. And like you mentioned, a really good camp for the Jays. Lots of great performances to talk about and some guys that made the team that maybe were on the fringe. Some positives there. Let's start with uh, a bit of a negative out of the gate and the news dropping today. Of course, we're recording this before opening day, March 31st here. Uh, obviously, George Springer, we will not see him in the season opener, unfortunately, with that oblique strain and Robbie Ray also on the injured list as well after that fall on the stairs. So that kind of throws a wee bit of a wrench into the positivity around the Jays. But overall, do you think that they're going to be able to survive this early stretch without those two? Well, even not to throw a wet blanket over the top of this thing, but if you have Kirby Yates, you've got Nate Pearson, you have Thomas Hatch on top of that. The, The depth was dinged, but the good news is Outside Kirby Yates, none of these are considered long-term issues for the Toronto Blue Jays. So if you can navigate, for the most part, the first handful of weeks of this regular season, the Blue Jays are in a pretty good position because they should eventually get the depth back. You expect Robbie Ray to miss one start or two starts. Um, so like you look at the sheer number of players that are supposed to be impact, you think, oh no, this is terrible. But honestly, Kirby Yates is the long-term issue here. That The fact that he's done for the year, we know that, Tommy John, that's unfortunate. He was going to be a back-into-the-bullpen guy, uh, probably the saver, or the closer, yes, to get a lot of saves. But I still believe the highest leverage situations are going to belong to Jordan Romano, hands down. And Rafael Dulis and David Phelps and Tyler Chatwood and, and other names that are going to be part of that are going to have bigger roles than even Kirby. Um, back to the original question about George Springer and the impact that, that he's lost. Listen, George Springer has a history of a lot of soft tissue issues. Um, he's, he's been able to not only get through them, but also play hard while getting through them. The good news is that he was very open with a new medical staff and he didn't try to hide his injury. And for me, an ounce of prevention is worth the pound of cure, especially with George Springer. He is an impact player offensively defensively and in that clubhouse he's going to make a difference when he's around uh, the good news is that he's still around you can get past this little short blip and sometime during that first homestand uh here in Dunedin I expect to have George Springer back not only in the lineup but leading off for the Toronto Blue Jays so yeah he can get over that Robbie Ray like I said probably a start or two so 10 days you're never going to lose a pennant in 10 days of the regular season beginning. Now, you can lose it in April pretty quick, uh, depending on how much ground you lose. But the Blue Jays are in a pretty good situation the way that they're beginning camp or or ending camp and then getting into the regular season. Hey, Ben, I want to dive into one of my favorite topics. That's Vladdy Jr. Um, What do you see from – it's hard to imagine this guy is only, what, 22 years old. Seems like he's been around a lot longer than that in my mind. Um, But what do you expect from Vladdy this season? And has his fitness – will that be a benefit? Well, the hype around Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is exactly like you said. It's, it's, It's like lore now because we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, the arrival of Vladdy happens for the Blue Jays. And then it what are the expectations? Could he ever live up to those expectations in the first year plus? Probably no, is the answer there. 
what are you going to see from him in a 60 game pocket? You never know from any player, right? So mm-hmm. now is the year of Vladdy. This is the year of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., his biggest impact will be a threat. He's got to be a threat every time he steps onto the field. And so far, a trimmed down Vladdy, a much more agile Vladdy, a, a more athletic Vladimir Guerrero Jr., offensively and defensively, that's big strides. Um, so not only is Vladdy always happy, Vladdy looks better, Vladdy feels better, and Vladdy's confident. That's a very dangerous Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I think he is destined for big things this year, like really big things. We have not seen his drive in terms of the barrel on the ball taper off at all in spring training from his first game to his last game. That drive is gap to gap. It's the rising line drive with the backspin, which made him the top prospect with the 80 grade batting potential. Nobody's ever gotten that before. Vladdy did. Vladdy got that. And that's the that's the encouraging sign for me that we have seen for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. return uh, on top of just how his body feels and looks. So uh, I think Vladdy is just lining up an absolutely massive year. And where do you think he shakes out defensively? Uh, you know, I think he's going to be he's never going to be a gold glover, in my opinion, at at first base or third base for that matter. But I really like him, especially with the way that the Blue Jays shift the way that they play him at first base is going to benefit him more than third base, mm-hmm. hands down. And, and that's one of the things we really examined when I was watching, and I saw every pitch of spring training. Um, so all 28 games, when Vladdy was in the lineup at third base or third base, or third base or first base, or who was playing third base, Kevin Biggio, we're looking at both corners, specifically night in and night out. And Vladdy never disappointed me defensively. There were a couple of times where, you know, he started to get that internal clock, one step, two step. I'm going to stop here and make sure I can get back to the back. Uh, he looked way better than last year uh, where he looked sort of rumbly coming down the line on pop-ups. He, he had much more fluidity in his athleticism and tracking down some pop-ups and ground balls. So all these things are very encouraging signs for me that he is just going to be fine at first base. And, and his hands, people forget, like his hands have been really good for a really long time. So his hands at first base are always going to be soft. And Luis Rivera told me on the backhand, which you have to use as a right-handed throwing first baseman a lot, you've got to pick that backhand. He's perfectly comfortable with that backhand at third base. And now it's even better because he's using a bigger mitt at first base. Ben, I agree. And I, I watched one of the, the last games that they played in spring training against the Yankees. And he made a couple of really nice picks out of the dirt on double plays and, and a throw from third as well. I, I agree with you. I think he's much more comfortable looking at first. And in, just in terms of hitting, everybody knows you know that they wanted him to come in better shape. Mark Shapiro said it. Ross Atkins has said it numerous times that they really got on him in this offseason to come in better shape. He has. Well, let's let's remember he got on himself. He yeah. he was the one that apologized to his teammates about how he reported to camp, and this is a process that goes back to July, where he was embarrassed how he reported to Toronto, and he was overweight, he was out of shape. He realized at that moment things had to change. So this is not just something that happened since he got to Florida, you know, in the new year. This is something that Vladdy has been working to drop forty plus pounds which is like, imagine those two 20-pound dumbbells hanging off of each hip. This is, this is something Vladdy has committed not only to himself, but to his teammates going back to the, to the early stages of the 2020 season. Which is huge. And and Ben, like you mentioned, I mean, he looks a, a lot more fit. In in a game that I watched against the Phillies, he legged out two doubles. That was and I was really impressed with that. And he slid into first and got a single. And I believe he homered in that game as well. He was four for four. Um, what is it about his hitting that needs to improve? We all know that he's got the power, but all I keep reading about is lift, his lift of the ball. What do people mean when they say that? And what does he need? to do to adjust that to hit more homers well if the knock on vladimir guerrero jr is he's top half heavy and top half heavy is where he's hitting the baseball on the top half and you know there have been people in the media that rave about his exit velocity but for me okay the last year plus if he hits the ball hard straight into the ground out in front of home plate who cares if you hit it 114 miles an hour by the time it takes 
three bounces to the second baseman or the shortstop, it's at 65 miles an hour and it's room service. So he's thrown out at first base. The drive with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the launch angle, which is the buzzword with this, but it's how Vladdy takes a bat path to the baseball. And Vladdy has certain gifts with his hands and his bat-to-ball contact that just normal people or or normal or above average major leaguers cannot replicate because of how quick through the zone he is. So if he's focusing on that that baseball coming at him and how he's bat path and on kind of spot recognition and make those changes, getting the ball through the zone is going to make a major, major difference where he's not taking a, an attack mode like he's swinging an axe in, in that grip. He's now much more level through the playing field, uh, trying to get to the baseball and track it. And because of that, the extension is coming. The barrel is a more truer sense on contact. And that's where you get that backspin. So all those things coming together, much like he was in 2017 and 2018, when he was just incredible and crushing the baseball. That's what we've seen more for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Now, there are going to be other things, right? Major League pitching, they're going to try to sink it with changeups. They're going to try to spin it with breaking balls. It's the recognition that's going to be the next step. Um, you know, if, and if Vladdy sees a good fastball to hit, Vladdy can't miss it. You know, this is not an at-bat that's going to be very pedestrian for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., no matter who he's facing. So mistakes, number one, fastball recognition, and and we've seen a lot of that. We've seen deeper counts worked with Vladdy, who ended up in spring training, where you're working on timing, you're thinking about things. He ended up as one of the club leaders in base on balls. That tells me that he's a much more patient hitter, and he's taking that mindset in into the regular season, let alone all the different processes that we've talked about uh, to get him ready for the regular year. And correct me if I'm wrong. Have, have we seen a shift in the um, philosophy of batters at the plate? I see a lot more home runs, I feel, and I see a lot more strikeouts. You used to see guys cut down their swings when they got to two strikes, put the ball in play. I don't see near as much anymore. When did that change and has it changed? Well, it has changed, and you probably can just go back in the last seven to ten years. Yeah. Baseball with the swing plane and launch angle was the buzzword, and you were trying to get under the baseball because you had pitchers that were going to work lower in the zone. Now, to combat that, remember four years ago, four or five years ago, pitchers started to elevate fastballs, and you try to get that rise on pitches to combat the, the uppercut. So now it's in just this war, right, where maybe these uppercut swings – allow a sinker baller like TJ Zoit to have incredible success, two seam fastballs like Tim Mesa to have immediate success as he comes back onto the mound because swings are different now, but, but it's a constant evolution. You, you know, you're going to see a lot of home runs because you're going to see a lot of home runs starting first with the juice baseball. Uh, so they've tried to change that. The ball is going to be what they say softer, if you will, or have a more drag on it which we have seen that in spring training. The balls are not flying nearly as much as they have the last couple of years. Hmm. And it sounds different coming off the bat. Hmm. So, you know, the game is going to evolve. Hitters are going to make adjustments. Pitchers are making adjustments literally on every pitch that they try to have. Um, so for, for guys like Vladdy, for guys like Lourdes Goriel Jr., specifically for guys like Teoscar Hernandez, it's going to be on pitch recognition. So they don't get baited into pitch chasing bad pitches. Hey, looking up and down this lineup too, who's going to lead this team in home runs, do you think? Ah, that's a great question. There is the million-dollar question uh, because of the potential power that is in this lineup. You've got Teoscar Hernandez who might hit 40. You expect Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to roll out of bed and hit 30-plus. Uh, Rowdy Teles, if he gets into one of those groups and has the blossom or breakout season that he started last year prior to the injury – He's got potential to hit 30-plus. Randall has done it. Randall Gritchick, who might hit eighth in this lineup, has already hit 30 or more home runs. We know Marcus Simeon has done it. George Springer, you expect it because he's getting paid for it. Um, that's a really good question. That is the one that we'd love to pull all the money in right now uh, <laughs> as we lean into opening day and say, all right, whoever wins this gets the pot because it may be a surprise. Mm-hmm. For, for me, it may be a surprise. Um, watching spring training, honestly, this is my feel right now. Watching spring training, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be the guy to lead this team in home runs. That's my feeling. 
right away. Um, I don't think Teoscar Hernandez is going to let us down, and I would love to see those two guys kind of duke it out down the stretch. We're chatting with Blue Jays broadcast voice on Sportsnet, Ben Wagner. Ben, in terms of home run hitting, I mean, this lineup has few other peers in all of baseball. Could this lineup potentially have four 30 home run hitters? Assuming Springer stays healthy throughout the, the aftermath of this injury, then look at the guys you just listed off. Teoscar Hernandez, I expect him to hit 32, 33. I'd be, I'd be disappointed, frankly, if Vladdy didn't hit 35. Um, and then you're looking at a guy like Bo Bichette, who's got plenty of power too. Marcus Semien's done it, like you mentioned. These Could they have four 30 home run guys? Yeah, simply the, the, the answer is yes, that they could. And that's why Teoscar to me becomes the more, not more the person you put the pressure on, but maybe the biggest impact bat that the Blue Jays have this season. Can he replicate what he did with the Silver Slugger and walk more? Remember, Teoscar got on base a lot more. And he wasn't baited into those big strikeouts where he just, you go into an at bat knowing that he's going to be overmatched by a slider that somebody has or, or baited by a changeup and look silly. Um, that's where the catalyst for this lineup could reside, where Vladdy takes a lot, a lot of the opportunity, you know, to drive the ball hitting behind Teoscar. But Teoscar Hernandez gets a lot of the pressure because of that. Before we move on to uh, pitching, Ben, where do you see this team needing to improve defensively? Well, they've already improved because they've added Marcus Simeon, who's got shortstop range and good hands up the middle and is an incredible defender from where he started. Uh, run prevention was the big, big buzzword going into the uh, offseason for the Blue Jays. They approved that with George Springer up the middle, and the catching has gotten better. The catching has gotten better with Danny Jansen, and it's gotten better with Alejandro Kirk, who's a really good receiver and communicator with his pitches. So already this team has gotten better in, in the priority spots where run prevention means get to the baseball and stop the baseball. Uh, are they going to have more or less throwing errors? That is still somewhat to be seen because, you know, we're, we need to get to game speed. Well, I think the Blue Jays overall are going to be better defensively. There might be some, some glaring spots in the metrics you know that say Lourdes Goriel Jr. is a below average left fielder but we know that even with the eye test but Kevin Biggio at third base improves third base from where they've been the last couple of years uh Simeon up the middle with Bo Bichette and if Bo needs an off day Marcus Simeon Marcus Simeon might be the better shortstop right now even over Bo and that's that's just the truth but Bo Bichette is where the franchise is placing you know kind of their their face moving forward as the shortstop. And Marcus Simeon was perfectly fine going over to second base. And we've seen an improved Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base. So automatically those positions, plus then getting a true center fielder like George Springer, flanking him with Teoscar Guriel or Hernandez, already improves things. And you've got somebody backing up all three of those outfield positions with Jonathan Davis, who by stepping onto the field becomes the best outfielder of them all. So the Blue Jays will be better defensively just with what they have. They've got a much deeper lineup, and, and they know it. And I think that's why they're just going to be a better team. I completely agree. We'll be right back with more with our friend Ben Wagner, broadcast voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. As we continue to chat with our friend Ben Wagner, broadcast voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet. Uh, just before we talk about pitching as well, because you brought his name up, let, let's meld the two positions together into one question. You bring up Alejandro Kirk, who has made the team, and we kind of got a taste of what this guy could do last year. He has looked excellent. He is slugging the baseball incredibly well through spring training, but that leaves the Jays in a bit of an odd position because Danny Jansen will probably be the guy that logs the most time behind the plate. I would say, I mean, he's, he's a good defensive catcher, not as good a hitter as Kirk, but then you've got Reese McGuire in the mix as well. And he's out of options. Are the Jays going to carry three catchers, wait till everybody has their roster set and try and send one of them down and to tie it into pitching. Does one of them become a trade chip 
to upgrade the rotation later this year? Uh, the quick answer to, are they going to carry three catchers? Absolutely not. No, the, uh, Reese McGuire is going to be put on waivers and they'll, they'll roll the dice trying to clear him. So, uh, and, and I, you know, just judging and talking with people in, in terms of the organization, they think that there's a chance if Alejandro Kirk can make the adjustment and continue to prove what he has in a short sample size. And that is be a guy that's never overmatched at the plate, continue to put the ball in play. At the end of the day, he may play more than Danny Jensen this year. Health is going to be a concern. Of course, can the body hold up? Uh, we know the rigors that Danny has gone through, but the bat has just not carried through with Danny Jansen. Um, we, and, and some of the matchups are easy, right? Alejandro Kirk has always caught Robbie Ray. Even though Robbie Ray is not part of the rotation right now, he will be very soon. Uh, Hinge Ryu is going to caddy with Danny Jansen. So we know those matchups are there, but it's going to be performance. The other three or four days of the week, who is performing better? And there's a very good chance Alejandro Kirk in not a long amount of time, we'll be playing more than Danny Jansen. Okay, take us through the starting uh, rotation. Uh, a lot of injuries, or some injuries anyway. Uh, give us an update, and who do you see as the starting four right now? Well, right out of the gate, we know Hinjun Ryu is going to pitch. Ross Stripling was going to compete for that number five spot. He kind of gets bumped up to now number three. And then I believe TJ Zoic is going to get a traditional start in New York on Sunday. That's how I really shape the Blue Jays rotation moving in because a lot of things factor in. One, he's a sinker ball guy. He lets a lot of balls get put in play. And I'm okay with seeing the baseball in play. I really am. If he doesn't have the swing and miss stuff right now, contact on the ground will benefit TJ Zoic. It helps the Blue Jays, period. So that's how I would roll into the first three games of this regular season. And then you've got Steven Matz, who they're going to take away from Broadway and the Shining Lights. Pitching in his hometown, that's fine. He can go to Texas. And then Tanner Roark, who on the outside really hasn't looked that impressive, to be honest with you, but he's paid to be a starter. He was brought to Toronto to be a starter, and he's somebody that wants to start. So they're going to give him enough chances. And, and also because there's a need for him to be in that rotation right now to pitch every fifth day until it's time to make a move from there. Uh, so those are my starting five going into the first five five games, six days of the regular season where Ryu, Stripling, Zoic, Mats, who has looked outstanding in camp, by the way, both and, and raved about both on the backfields with a lot of the hard data, plus what we put on the eye test of watching him pitch in, in good games. And then there's the reserves of Anthony Kay, who could probably fit into this rotation, but they didn't want to be too left-handed heavy going into the start of the season. And then guys you're kind of waiting on What's Trent Thornton once he's going to get stretched out? Right now, he's probably a three, perhaps if managed a pitch count, four inning guy. But he's a great piece to have in the bullpen. Um, another guy that's going to be relatively soon, it would be Thomas Hatch. And, and then you've got other guys that could be bulk scenarios or even pitching depth at AAA or the alternate side. So the Blue Jays, by and large, are in a way better position than they have in the last three to four years with internal candidates, which is a very, very good thing. That's how they're going to have to survive this regular year. When will we see another complete game from a pitcher? <laughs> I thought Hinjin Ryu was going to be that guy last year, and it never panned out. Um, I don't know that you're going to be – I don't know that you're going to find one with the Blue Jays this year. Mm -hmm. I really don't because that is not the line of thinking. Mm -hmm. where the Blue Jays are, and they have assembled their staff. They are completely fine with challenging everyone outside of Ryu, perhaps with an opener role. Um, yeah, I would not look uh, to any jersey saying Toronto on the chest if you're going to find a complete game. I think there are guys that are out there to do it. You know, I think what we saw before the injury, to Bruce Bone is, is a very difficult thing to deal with. But what we saw with Robbie Ray in his, in his pitch management, not only the pure stuff, pitch management, and also Steven Matz, it's in there. They possess that. Mm -hmm. But you have to get into where the organization philosophy also resides. So you may see, not from the Blue Jays, and maybe not even in the American League East, you may find it in the National League East with some of the horses that they have there, or even in Los Angeles with guys like Bauer, if they put it together you know, in, in, in some of those days. But uh, I, I believe there 
will be at least one in the big leagues this year, but it will not be the Blue Jays. <laughs> Fair enough. I agree. We're chatting with broadcast voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet, Ben Wagner. Yeah, there's maybe three or four guys in the majors. I I think Clarky, uh, if if you want my uneducated opinion, uh, that could do it. I think Lucas Giolito might be able to do it. I think if Snell is hot in one of his starts, there's no way they yank him after the uh, game six debacle. We'll call it. DeGrom, obviously, and, and I think Walker Bueller might pitch a complete game. That guy is a freak. All, I, I all, really good like names. all good names to throw out there with, with potential of being complete game guys. I, I think so. Uh, let's continue talking about the pitching situation because I, I'd like to dig into a guy who has become a bit of a mercurial figure, if you will, if I can throw a fancy word out there. And that's Nate Pearson. Now, I just, right before we did this interview, completed a fantasy baseball draft, and I took him with my very last pick. What can I expect to get out of this guy? Uh, I'll throw a prop at you. Do you think that he will start six and a half games over under? Is there any shot of that? Uh, I'm going to take the over on the okay. number of start. Okay. But it depends when you want to start that clock. Um, I don't think right now the way that the situation is, and remember it was somebody that was ramping up and then had a groin injury. Groin injuries are very finicky for power pitchers. And his groin injury was on the right leg. That's the drive leg. And that went to a complete shutdown. And he really has not advanced in terms of what he has been able to do since going, going into the injury protocol. So, you know, you may be sitting on Nate Pearson until June, waiting for him to make a start. Now, if he comes back and he is the guy that we saw, and, and let's think about the guy that we saw. In my mind, we saw three different versions of Nate Pearson last year. We saw the blow-him-away guy in early spring training. We saw the guy that was kind of nibbling around, even though he possesses triple-digit stuff in the big leagues when he, when he got the opportunity, clock management or, or service time management, albeit that, in a short season last year. Then he goes on the injured list, and then the guy that we saw in the playoffs. The guy that was in spring training, the guy that were in, in the playoffs, were closer in comparison than the guy that we saw in the big leagues and try to pitch up in the zone and nibble away. If he is down in the zone and using his power stuff, that's what Nate Pearson has in his repertoire right now that is the best arsenal for him. Down in the zone, on the corners, he's got good command, and the metrics when he is down in the zone are off the charts for all the pitches. That's the guy that the Blue Jays have to have whenever he comes back. And I hope he comes back with free reign. I hope he's not massaged back and stretched out on a major league roster with these parameters around him. It's a disservice to Nate Pearson, who, in my opinion, has had nothing but a disservice to his overall player development. You know, as a prospect coming up through the organization and then the, man the manipulation of his innings, even when he was a minor leaguer, let alone what he was trying to become in a big leaguer. The guy just hasn't pitched. The guy hasn't pitched enough, and the guy hasn't tried to dig down and be competitive in his in his competition. That's what I would like to see first and foremost out of Nate Pearson. And, and then you make a decision with what you've got. And a lot of people automatically say, wow, he's a bullpen guy because of you know he's got three-plus pitches, and uh, even though he can be a starter with many pitches, um, I, how can you write off? the talent that's there and the youth that is with Nate Pearson. So uh, I'm really, really hoping that Nate Pearson gets an opportunity to go out there and flat out compete. Give me the ball every fifth day and let me go out there till I have nothing in the tank. That's what I want to see the challenge for Nate Pearson to be. And I hope that it's seven straight starts. So you get your over when it comes to that too. I certainly do as well. And uh, like you said, he's still a young guy. He's got all the talent in the world. I think Jays fans everywhere are hoping that they get to see a fully unleashed Nate Pearson. I'll throw one more prop at you here. I mean, we're, we're sponsored by cool bet. We love our bets here. We just talked about complete games and how rare they are nowadays. Let's talk about innings. And we know that the Jays were extremely penny pinching, if you will, with innings over the last couple of years under Charlie Montoyo, really under the Akin Shapiro leadership. Hyunjin Ryu, I think he might be the best left-handed pitcher in the game. He won the award for it last year again. Over, under, will he throw 
over or under 175 and a half innings? Under, under is my is my immediate gut reaction, let alone just, you know, knowing how I What's feel he sit at? Days. What's he yeah. come in at? 155? I think that's that's in a better neighborhood, you know, with 155. And and, and any any sort of time on the injured list with, with Hinjin Ryu will make a major impact to that number. A healthy Hinjin Ryu gets to the that kind of 145, 155 number. Okay, I got a two-parter uh, for my last couple of questions. Um, how much do you think the uncertainty surrounding COVID and the home of the Blue Jays is going to impact their season? Uh, very little because a lot of the guys have already gone through, gone through it in, in the mental warfare that we have heard a couple of them admit to having after last year and the fact that um, being a bubble and being even in a modified bubble is very, very lonely. Uh, you know, you don't get to enjoy the cities that a lot of these guys had been dreaming about going. And in the case of the Blue Jeans, uh, heard for decades about enjoying. Uh, there's There was a lot that, honestly, from a major league perspective, and they're big leaguers and they are the best at what they do, a lot of their job last year was not enviable. And, and I really felt for many of the people on the field and the number of the people that were part of the support staff, because the baseball is designed to be fun. And it's the long running, you know, moniker that it's a kid's game. And it just, and it was different because it had to be different last year. And hopefully we're steering away from that, but the mental grind surprised a lot of people and, and not just the mental grind that exists every year because of the, the strenuous demands of the season and the schedule, but it's the loneliness. You know, the best part of being in, a, in and around a baseball team, little league or all the way to the big leagues, is the camaraderie with your teammates. And, you know, some of the fun that happens with your teammates and the inside jokes that exist and sometimes last a day or last all, all season long. None of that happened last year. There were guys that would be on the field to play and see somebody for the first time as they entered that game. You know, pitchers were separated from position players and, and people are socially distanced. And, you know, if you didn't see a guy on the plane, you might go three or four days without seeing that guy until he appears in a game again on the mound in game. So uh, the good news is the Blue Jays, with all these adverse conditions, and they are extremely unfortunate, but in a lot of cases they are necessary. Um, I don't think will have the impact as last year but do not discount the impact that they're going to have yeah it's going to be incredibly hard for sure go ahead clarky sorry just my last uh, question for ben or a statement or i want you to finish this statement the blue jays will make the playoffs if if their pitching staff holds up and and, and performs the way that uh they anticipated to perform and that includes i i thought the most important pitcher coming into camp would be Nate Pearson because of all the things that we already discussed. I thought the two most interesting pitchers in camp, Steven Matz and Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray found something working with Pete Walker last year. Steven Matz possesses everything that you want in a back into the rotation guy and up to a three. I don't know that he can be ever a number one or maybe even a number two on a, a team that legitimately contends for a world series, but he's got three stuff and the Mets and him were in a battle on how to attack guys. They wanted him to do it one way. He wanted to do it to the other. And Steven Matz heard what a lot of people have heard about the Toronto blue Jays and their ability to let pitchers pitch to their advantages and to their strengths. And Pete Walker is a magician in doing that. And they allowed Steven Matz very early on to be the power pitcher low in the zone that they wanted versus up in the zone and try to keep guys elevated in the zone while trying to combat him. Um, so if you've got a team that's got three pitchers, like we just discussed with Ryu, Ray, and Matz, that's a great foundation to build around, knowing that no team will go through the regular season with the same five guys. But if you've got three stable guys, or three guys at least that you can rely on, given the time and the circumstance, the Blue Jays are in an incredible position right there. 
completely agree. That's all we're going to go to the plans. Absolutely. I completely agree, Ben. Uh, we're chatting with broadcast voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet, Ben Wagner. Final one for you, Ben. It, we really appreciate you giving us all this time. We're so excited for baseball to start. Uh, I should mention, remember everybody, we carry every Jays game this year. Unless the Jays conflict with the Leafs game, the Leafs get priority, but we will carry every other Jays game other than that. I want to ask you finally here, Ben, about uh, a bit of a more philosophical question about the game. Major League Baseball put a statement out recently about policing foreign substances on balls for pitchers. Now, there are a lot of interesting videos that you can find on the internet about guys' spin rates. Trevor Bauer is an interesting watch in this vacuum, if you will. Um, I've always kind of understood that it's a bit of a give and take relationship where hitters are generally kind of okay with pitchers using stuff because everyone does it. And generally the consensus is it helps them control the ball and guys get hit less. But what we're seeing now and Clarky, you mentioned it earlier with sky high strikeout rates, the strikeout rate, rise over the last decade baseball has never seen anything like it and this is part of the problem foreign substances what impact do you think ultimately this will have on the game and how do they actually police this uh i don't think it's going to have very much impact on the game unless it's completely obvious i mean like blatantly obvious but remember this this doctoring of a baseball is as old as the game itself Everybody's looking for an advantage if you're on the mound. Everybody in the batter's box has already had an advantage. They've already doctored the bat with the stickum. You can see the aerosol can, the shaving of the handle of the bat. Batters are trying for every advantage they can get. Pitchers, in some, in some sense of the word, are also going to try to do the same thing. Heck, when the ball comes out of the wrapper, it's already being doctored with the mud from Delaware. That's the, that's the plain and simple truth. Is it going to have an impact? Not in my opinion. But I think, I think the 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 powers that are running Major League Baseball right now, uh, the executives with some drive from the ownership, are going to at least try to change out the baseball and examine how big this issue really is, and whether or not there are things to be concerned about. So I would expect the policing to go no further than maybe exchanging baseballs more frequently. That's really where I think it's going to boil down to. I think this is more of a science experiment than somebody with uh, judge and jury status standing you know, behind the plate or in some way putting the onus on a crew chief to watch this. I really do. Absolutely. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see how they quote unquote police this this year. I'm interested to watch that. And we're very interested to see how the Jays do this year. Remember, you can catch their games on CKNX. We are really appreciative of the time of our friend Ben Wagner, broadcast voice of the Jays on Sportsnet. Follow him on Twitter at BenWag247. Ben, really appreciate this. Go Jays. We're excited for the season, man. Thanks for doing this. Really excited for the season, too. It'll be a unique one. Uh, maybe with a couple of stops along the way. So uh, no shortage of talking points. And of course, with this team, it's, it's always going to be fun to watch. Uh, and they have yet to let us down, especially the last couple of years with the way that the Blue Jays are on the rise. So your listeners are definitely going to enjoy tracking this club. Absolutely. And they're going to enjoy listening to you as well. As always, Ben, thanks for doing this, buddy. Thank you. All right, we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we will chat with our wagering expert from CoolBet, Mr. Chris Abbott. The NFL has just approved a 17-game season. How does that affect the betting world? And, of course, we got to talk a little hockey as well as we are getting to crunch time with the trade deadline around the corner. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports for the Week, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury here with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. We thank our buddy Ben Wagner, the broadcast voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet, for joining us for a lengthy chat about the Blue Jays and their upcoming season. Chris, baseball season is here, and we couldn't be more excited. It's going to be a lot of fun to lay some money down on the uh, on the ball games, right? Yeah, it looks like you're all ready to go. You got all the Jays gear on. I mean, all we're missing is the ability to go to the Rogers Center and catch a game. But 
Um, hopefully that happens at some point this season, although I'm not overly optimistic. But I am excited, man. Opening day. I love baseball. I think it's my favorite sport to bet on, to be completely honest with you. And I did this last year, and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to place a, a bet on every single Jays game. It's not going to be betting on the Jays necessarily, but at least some sort of wager on every single game they play. I love that. I, I might follow your lead there. That's actually pretty interesting. You did it last year. Did you come away with positive money? Uh, no, I did not. Um, I, to be completely honest with you, I, I might have fallen off near the end uh, um, and, and not, um, not placed a, a wager every single game. But I, I, I track it on a spreadsheet and I, I make it available for people to, uh, to check out through the website. And um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of fun. And it's, uh, I mean, I'm watching basically every Jays game anyway. So uh, I like to uh, have a little bit of skin in the game. Absolutely. You got to ride a little action when you're watching the game. Why not? And that's what cool bet and our wagering expert is for. Uh, let's talk about some props, some favorite bets that you have. We're filming this again the day before opening day. It's March 31st as we record this Jays Yankees opening up the season. But we, we discussed on the show a few weeks ago, some of the futures bets that I had shaken a little money down on. What are some favorite bets that you have maybe placed yourself or that you would suggest to people to put some money on this year in terms of props? Well, one of the one of the things I'm looking at, and we'll stay with the Jays, their win total is set at 87 and a half. Um, this is probably a little bit high for this team. I mean, I'm a fan, um, but, you know, a 90-win season is considered excellent in Major League Baseball. Um, I don't uh, presume this team is going to be excellent this year with 88 wins. So, while they are ranked second in the odds in the division, there's there's certainly going to be a Tampa Bay team that has a lot awful lot to say about it. The Yankees look like uh, you know they're, they're they're powerful as always, especially have the the big name roster. So you know if uh, and, and frankly Baltimore is getting better, and the Red Sox had a really down year. They've got their manager back. So like every year, I think the American League East is going to be an absolute grind. So, um, you know, the Jays, they're going to get there in a year or two, but this certainly isn't the year they're going to run away with the division, I don't think. Um, so that's, uh, I think I'm leaning toward under 87 and a half with the regular season win total. Yeah, and, and we were talking with our friend Ben Wagner about that as well, and he said basically uh, Clarkie actually posed the question to him, uh, finish the sentence, the Blue Jays make the playoffs if, and of course, you know, Ben's, fairly obvious answer I think to most people is if their pitching holds up if they get a I would even just say optimal performance out of Robbie Ray who will start on the injured list and Steven Matz who he's my X factor for the Jays this year I thought he was excellent in spring training his strikeout rate and his strike throwing rate was fantastic it looks like he's really dialed his command in which was something that dogged him earlier in his career in the Mets organization, they they could push for a wild card spot. I can't see the Yankees losing this division unless Garrett Cole gets injured and Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge miss giant chunks of time, which they have done recently, but I don't think that will happen this year. I think at least one of them plays a quote-unquote full year and and the Yankees walk away with 96 or 97 myself. Uh, I mentioned that I sprinkled a little money on pretty nice odds. I believe I, I got the bet in at plus 1,900 on Cool Bet on Matt Olson leading the AL in home runs. Are you a bigger fan of that bet or are you leaning more towards somebody like Judge? Mike Trout always has something to say. Who do you think will lead the AL in homers? Who do you bet on? Uh, it's interesting. I, that market seems to be down right now, and I'm just looking at most home runs in the majors, uh, and, and they've got both leagues put together. So uh, there's a couple of interesting names there. Um, I, you know, I look down the list, like if Fernando Tatis Jr. at plus 1,800 is is probably not a bad play. Uh, if Giancarlo Stanton can stay healthy, um, you know, the parks in the American League East are, are certainly good for him. Uh, a lot of games in New York, a lot of games in Baltimore. Um, a lot of games in Boston uh, up over the, the monster. So um, I could see him, but, you know, you can't count on him to stay healthy at all. And, and Matt Olson for the league is that plus 2,300 right now. So, um, you know, it, it's probably going to be somebody further down the list that we're not expecting, somebody that has, you know, a breakout year or a year that uh, kind of brings them back from where they were. Like, you know, Christian Yelich is at plus 3,000. He's not really a huge home run guy, but if he gets hot – 
uh, he hits plenty. So, um, you know, there's there's lots and lots of options. Cody Bellinger is going to play in a really good team uh, in the Dodgers, so he's going to see lots of uh, lots of pitches uh, in, the, in that stacked lineup. So plus 1,800 is not bad for him there either. But it really is a toss-up, and that's the beauty of, of Major League Baseball betting game to game and, and watching the year unfold. It, it really goes the way we think it might. Absolutely. It's the best. That's the best thing about sports in general, let alone the betting world. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I would say to people, I, I sprinkled a little bit of change on him as well. Don't ever discount Anthony Rendon and what he does at the plate. That guy can crank the baseball. Uh, and he has Mike Trout to shelter him in the lineup a little bit as well. That's a scary one to punch in L.A. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the NFL now. And I mean, big news coming out this week that they have approved, not unanimously, but they have approved the Board of Governors a 17-game regular season beginning this year in 2021. This has been something that's been talked about for a while, Chris, but now it's official. Now, I know that the Bears, to my knowledge, are the only team that's made it public so far that they voted against it. But most teams, I believe Adam Schefter, who's as dialed in as anybody in the NFL, tweeted that 29 teams approved it. So we don't know who the other two are that didn't potentially. What does a 17-game NFL season do for something like the betting world? I mean, the NFL is a betting machine. What does 17 games do in your mind? Well, it gives you that extra Sunday. And and the NFL is is unlike any other sport. It's absolutely massive when it comes to uh, wagering opportunities. So to get an extra five, 6% revenue, um, just from betting, just from ticket sales, just from everything else in, the, in that juggernaut of a league. Um, it's a no brainer from a revenue perspective. It's, you know, it's going to look a little bit different, I guess, from a fan perspective and, and what we should expect, uh, you know, schedules to look like as the years go on and, and how playoffs shake out and, and you'll never see an eight and eight team again. So, uh, little things like that are are interesting, and and you know they're not afraid to um, rewrite the record book, as it were. And and a lot of the things we see with the NHL is that oh, we don't want to change the point structure because you know if you give three points for a regulation win, um, you know it changes who had the best season of all time. But I think the NFL is being very progressive here. Um, at the end of the day, everyone's going to make more money. Everybody loves a, an extra Sunday of NFL football. And, uh, you know, this is probably going to go along with their their view of expanded playoffs as well. So I, um, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited. And it's great news for the sports betting industry. It certainly is. Hey, football is king over here in North America in terms of fantasy sports, gambling in general. One more NFL Sunday, like you said, it is going to bring some major, major heat to the books and it's going to be awesome to bet on. Uh, hey, me personally, I'll take another year of Christian McCaffrey running in a couple more touchdowns for my fantasy team. I'll take that all day. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the NFL as well here and, and a major trade leading up to the draft. Now, the San Francisco Francisco 49ers, they were in the Super Bowl not long ago, and then they had just a disastrous season last year. So many injuries. There's question marks around Jimmy G. Um, you know, they trade up to the number three spot, presumably when you go up there to get a quarterback. So Jimmy G's future in a little bit of murky waters in San Fran, and they had just an unbelievably bad injury year in terms of luck. Um, if I were to say to you the, the the 49ers win 10 and a half games in a 17-game season next year, do you take the over on that? First thing I do is think about their division, right? So the Rams have gotten stronger. Seattle, I don't know if they've gotten stronger. Uh, Arizona has gotten stronger. So I would say they are going to be – that's going to be a really good division again this year, obviously. Uh, 10 and a half out of 17. I don't know. I don't know if, the, if, the, if they're going to come up with that. I guess I'd have to see the rest of their schedule. Um, but, you know, they've also lost their defensive coordinator, who is an absolutely massive part of their game plan. Uh, and, yeah, it's potentially they could be trotting out a rookie quarterback. So take all those things into consideration. I'd probably say under. 
I agree. It's going to be a, a tough to gauge. And yeah, Seattle, Russell Wilson staying. They they shored up a little bit of his offensive line, and apparently they're not done. Uh, Tyler Lockett locking in a deal. Uh, no pun intended there. And hey, like you said, the Cardinals. I love me Kyler Murray, and I love DeAndre Hopkins. For my money, still the best wide receiver in the NFL. So they are going to be in tough, the 49ers, but they've still got a decent team. We'll see how that shakes out. Chris Abbott, our wagering expert from Coolbet. We always appreciate this, buddy. Really excited about baseball and excited about 17 games of NFL football this year, man. We appreciate it as always. It's a nonstop sports uh, buffet as we keep on going. And I think, you know, maybe Christmas day will be the only day this year where there's no sports happening. So um, yeah, get, get as much sleep as you can buckle up and there's always going to be something fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. you got, of course, the Euro 2021 coming up soccer tournament as well. So this summer is going to be jam packed and it'll roll right. The NFL preseason will start before you even know it. So, uh, and, and again, first pitch in baseball is only being thrown this week. So it's great, man. It's exciting. Um, it's a great time to be involved in sports and especially in the betting, uh, world. It's going to be the best, and I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention coming it, uh, up this weekend, our buddy Corey Connors going to the Valero Texas Open. He is the defending champ there. Tournament was canceled last year. He won in 2019 his first and only tour victory, and he is ranked number two just behind Justin Thomas heading into the tournament. And then, of course, next weekend coming up, it's the Masters, and that's always must view television. You can find this show on CKNX Friday nights at six, unless the Leafs play at seven, at which point we will air at five 30 leading into Leafs pregame at six 30. Remember we air every Leafs game on CKNX AM nine 20 and CKNX.ca. We also, as I mentioned a couple times, we'll air all the Jays games, unless the Jays game conflicts with the Maple Leafs Leafs get priority. But other than that, we will bring you every single Jays game on the radio this year as well you can watch this show friday nights at eight sunday nights at nine with our friends on whiteman debuting on youtube friday nights at nine and you can follow us on social media as always at mwo underscore sports for my co-host chris clark steve sabern who was away this week our wagering expert chris abbott and our buddy ben wagner broadcast voice of the blue jays on sportsnet we appreciate you listening to and watching mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co <laughs>